Tim, season four, episode 14, Stats Matter, the NFL regular season OVA over. And so is the college football playoffs. Uh, we're going to make our hashtag Super Wildcard Weekend predictions. We're going to round out with some coaching notes in our cups this week. It's an Imperial South from Denver, Colorado. Shout out to Rural Brewing. And you got a double IPA from West Hartford, Connecticut. Shout out New Park. Follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter and on Twitter at Stats Podcast. All things beer, whiskey, and sports. <laughs> Find Stats of Matter wherever you get your podcasts. It's your Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show. Mm. Um, I will start this episode just by just burying the lead. We were tied at picks. We remain tied at picks. We chose on the last episode that the college football playoff finale, the natty, was going to be our tiebreaker. I'll just let you know. I picked UW. They lost. We're going to get to it. Um, I will uh, be good on my bet. We're going to go find you a nice uh, mid-range bottle of uh, whiskey or burbs, okay? And I'll show you what we got down here. I'm going to send you some photos. You tell me. Nah, I'll call my nah, buddy nah. The, the Stork, and I'll just say, make this shit happen. You know what I mean? It, it made it get to you because you guys are about to get three days worth of rain in about two days. That's what's going to happen because it's been raining all fucking day here. Um, congratulations right. to you. But Thank I you. am petty. I'm very petty, okay? <clears throat> and I just happened to luck out and get this incredible uh, stout called Reverse Engineering. Uh, it's a barrel-aged imperial stout with banana and cacao. Um, get your bingo cards ready, boys and girls. It's a collab between Cerebral and Angry Chair. And I, I'm not even kidding. When I first got it from the store, when the store dropped it off, I said, I bet Tim would love this. And I said, yeah, maybe I'll give it to him if I lose the picks. And I was so fucking mad last night when that game was over. I said, you know what? I'm not giving it to Tim. I'm going to drink it on the podcast in front of Tim. So <laughs> oh, that's what I'm doing. Hang on. Let me, uh, I'll, be right, I'll be right back. Oh, here we go. It's always, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> that would be funny, though, oh, if I had that one. <laughs> uh, that would be great. Um, Cerebral Brewing's thing is the scientific approach to beer. Uh, if you ever get a chance to go out there in Denver, it's, uh, it's absolutely incredible. Um, this is part of a, a three-bottle set um, that I think is actually really, really cool. Aged 22 to 29 months in a blend of 12-year Weller bourbon and grape brandy barrels conditioned on Ecuadorian cacao nibs and wild Thai banana. So uh, hmm. most traveled uh, beer goes to probably this one. What I could, against- what I could probably do is uh, I actually just got a bottle uh, via the bottle stork also. Uh, it's a Weller foolproof. Oh, wow. So shout I could, out, I could have shout out to the stork. The stork we're doing a lot of work. Christmas time. I have a little sip of that with you. Uh, we can we can share in the Weller love. Yes. Um, I don't recall too much about the first one. I got these excellent branded uh, glasses, the Spiegelau glasses that are that are by type right for uh for Christmas for my brother and his wife. Shout out to them. Uh, this is actually a Hefeweizen glass. It's not. It's kind of like the uh, the stout glass, just a little bit bigger. Um, but I was. I have way too many beer glasses, and I was moving them out of the uh, cabinet, and I just kind of came down on top of a stout glass with a, a, a Bexter or a Betchel, whatever you want to call it, uh, just like a small, like one of those like small cylinder glasses, and spider crack just ruined it. So this is as close as I'm going to get to a stout glass, and I'm, I'm rolling with it. So I mean, go. I love you, but you are a nerd. Mm. I have like three go-to glasses. Uh, but I'll tend to be of like varying shapes and sizes. Like this one's one of my favorites, and it looks like oh, a, I have one just. I don't have. I have dark. one similar size. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, big deep, the big deep. Um, uh, Sandlot one this is probably my mm-hmm. go-to favorite. Yep. With squint. Yep. Yep. Um, 
uh, I got to be honest. Immediate taste of banana, vanilla, a little bit of cacao, but it's like, imagine that you had booze, a booze-soaked banana. Mm-hmm. But it's not too heavy. I think because like sometimes when they put those those types of additives in the beer, there's a lot of sugar behind it, and it's just really filling and really thick. Um, for this to be aged almost two years in Weller and then great brandy barrels, like I really feel like it kind of takes the bite uh, out of it. Mm-hmm. You can def- don't get me wrong, you can taste the booze, um, but you get a ton of banana flavor that sits in your palate, and there's not a heavy after effect. It's almost like sort of like a really boozy chocolate banana milkshake. Hmm. Um, I'm here for this. This is a four seven wow. and I will not yeah. be talked off of it. I will probably, I mean, we're starting out 2024 just fresh, but this is probably one of the better beers I'm going to drink this year oh, yeah. without a, without beyond of a shadow of a doubt. So, I mean, anytime angry chair throws its name on it, you have to expect a certain level of quality. They don't just... It's in Tampa. It's in one of the hottest places on fucking the United States. Mm-hmm. And their, their stout game is incredible. All the time. How much? How much energy are they wasting to keep those those beers cold? I have no idea, but I'm yeah. very happy about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. I said it before. Uh, if you haven't, go check it out. It's phenomenal. Uh, all right. <clears throat> I'm doing. Uh, I'm back on the uh, beer bus. I did keep. I did keep the little sampler next to me, and I did not open any of them in case we were going to do it tonight. But uh, alas, I will not. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I'll have a celebratory one midway through the podcast. How's that? We'll we'll open up this. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna take it out. We're gonna open up the distillate at some point, and you guys are gonna watch oh, yeah. me. Or jet fuel. 100%. You guys will listen to me vomit at some point through, throughout the episode. Uh, <laughs> hopefully not after this beer, though. Uh, <clears throat> all right, I got a double IPA from New Park Brewing. Uh, it's one of the local favorites. Uh, it's out of uh, West Hartford. Uh, it's. One I've had before, not this particular can, but the brewery I've had on the podcast before, uh, Cloudscape, I think is one, and there's, I can't remember what the other one was, but uh, generally they're, they're pretty solid beers. Um, it was either going to be a toss-up between this or, uh, oh my god, not a, uh, who makes Photon, oh, Equilibrium. Right. Uh, I saw some Equilibrium. New York, right? Yeah, and big fan of their stuff. Haven't had them in a while. Uh, But for the cost, I don't think you can go wrong. But uh, anyway, settled on this one. Nice budget-friendly beer, um, at least in craft beer four-pack terms. Runs about $14 a four-pack because it's locally made. Uh, But let's give it a go. Right on. Smells phenomenal. And I know what people are thinking, that $14 a four-pack is a lot. However... I warn you that the $22 four-packs are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And if you can get uh, a four-pack for $14, you do the math on that shit. Three fifty yeah. a beer. You can't argue with that. It's, it's, it's beer-anomics. Yeah. This is on a stereogram. doesn't say what it's... My only qualm is it doesn't give a lot of information in terms of, like, what they're made with or brewed with or any of that sort of stuff. And uh, I failed at my preparation to uh, look up what this was, so we're gonna, we're gonna do this real quick because it smells like like sweet cantaloupe, hmm. which uh, is very pleasant actually. New Park Stereogram. Let's see what do we what do we got. Oh, it's got a four two on untapped. Someone's gonna shouldn't have looked at this. It's gonna, gonna throw yep. off my rating. Hundred <clears throat> percent. Um, 
All right. Malted inflate wheat with a bunch of oats for extra body. We settled on our favorite hop combinations. American, New Zealand, and Australian hops contribute to notes of pineapple flesh, freshly baked coconut cake, vanilla beans, and guava nectar. Guava. Guava. All right. Uh, smells fantastic. All right. All right. I'm not getting any of the coconut, what did it say, coconut cake? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not getting any of that in there. I'm getting a lot of citrus. Um, does have a nice little sort of sweeter note that kind of, the mouthfeel and the sweetness to it feels a lot like something with milk sugar in it, or like some some of the lactose sugar in it. Um, but it's got this like bitter bump at the end of it that I, I tend to get a lot out of some of the Australian hops. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think uh, the bitter the bitter things kind of throw me off because it kind of comes in quick and then like dissipates, and you get left with this sort of kind of like sour cantaloupe flavor at the end of it, which isn't great. So the initial flavor is pretty good. But as it kind of gives way on its way out, that weird sour, not sour in like the good sweet tart sour. I mean, if you actually bit into like an overly ripe cantaloupe type sour, uh, <clears throat> which isn't the best. Uh, so I'm going to actually, I'm going to give this one a three, five. That's where I'm at with this one. It's, it's good. I know uh, what sour cantaloupe flavor you're talking about. I know, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Like yeah, because we, we got some cantaloupe it, in the fridge, and you know when you open it, you smell it, you just get that first like it's a little acidic, and you're just like, nah, this shit, this is this is not it. Yeah, so like it tastes almost identical to the smell of a cantaloupe, but it's just got this like bad fruit sort of feel to it. Like it's not, it's not bad, it's not going to kill you, but it's just past its prime. That's sort of where this is at. But is there a date on the bottom of it? Nah, there's that's what I was just looking for. And I mean, it's it's definitely not a it's not a bad beer by any means, and that sour flavor comes and goes quick, and you kind of get left with like just cantaloupe at the end, or or some sort of like honeydew melon or something along those lines. Um, unfortunately, I am not a big <laughs> honeydew melon or cantaloupe fan anyway, so that's probably skewing this just a little bit. But overall, it's pretty good. good. I mean. If I went to a small place and they had a handful of beers and this is one of them that was on the menu, uh, depending on what's there, it's not something I would shy away from. I'd probably order one, but it's not something I it's 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 not something I would put in my, my top go to list. That's, That's too bad. <laughs> but maybe, maybe someone else has it and they have a fresher version or they just don't get the same tasting notes that you do. So who knows? Yeah. Um yeah. definitely a possibility. Fair. Okay, that's what's in our cups this week. Let's quickly. And I mean quickly. Uh, we'll talk about week 18. Uh, we tied. Mm. Two wins, one loss. Uh, I didn't get the Bills and Dolphins pick right, and mm-hmm. you did not get the Steelers-Ravens pick right. Mm. Uh, Dan, shout out Dan. He, he came down for the weekend. We went to the Ravens game. I don't know if you saw it on TV. It was rain. It was rain, terrible. More rain. More driving rain. Um, I was soaked. I had a raincoat and a poncho, and I think that is the coldest I have ever been. Yeah, um, I mean, it was miserable. Yeah, I mean, I get tickets are really expensive 
he didn't want to waste your money. But you had no dog in either either of the that fight whatsoever. So <clears throat> good on did you stay the, for the whole thing? The whole thing. The whole you thing. were an idiot. No, no, not at all. <laughs> we we got parking, we uh we crushed some uh crushed some beers in the parking lot, we hung out with some other uh because we were sitting in the Steelers section. So Tomlin came by, did a little you know, fist raise, a little bump to the the crowd, and then the uh the Ravens marching band for some reason it was like right in front of us. And like they every time that the Ravens got a first down, they did a little a little fight song thing and like everyone in the crowd was just giving a whole bunch of shit. Like <laughs> it, it was miserable in the conditions, but like as a guy who didn't have a dog in the fight. And as a guy whose favorite team lost to the Steelers in the Super Bowl in 05, no Steelers fan looked at me like, oh, my God, this guy's bad luck. They were just like, yeah, whatever, you're a Seahawks fan. Like, Russ is fucking crazy, huh? And then we just we're just drinking beers and just all trying to stay as warm as possible. Uh, yeah. But like 40 degrees in rain is just the worst. That's I mean, could you, worst. could you imagine hating every team you lost in the Super Bowl? <laughs> <laughs> it would be two teams. Yeah. <laughs> it would just be two teams. Yeah. Um, yeah and then. Yeah, you know, we, we tied at 26. You got the you got the tiebreaker. So I mean, that's cool. Um definite upset, I think, Bills, Dolphins. That was I think that was surprising me. I thought that the Dolphins were gonna zig and the Bills are just rolling right into the playoffs with a ton of momentum. I I saw a stat that um it was like during the game that depending like if Miami won, they would have to face Buffalo again the next week. And I I strongly I I don't believe in tanking, but Part of me was just like, I know they want to win the division, uh, but they might be like, listen, we ain't doing this again next week. Mm. <laughs> and we're not traveling to Orchard Park to do it. So I still, um, <clears throat> I still, have, uh, I still have money on Niners and Dolphins for being the conference winners. Yeah. Kind of bearing the lead a little bit because we're going to talk about Wild Card Weekend here in a, in a couple we, minutes. Yeah, we are. The playoffs, yeah. but. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about the Natty, man. Did you watch the Natty? Uh, I did. I watched. Uh, yeah. Most of the second half. I missed a little bit of the first half, tried to follow along on my phone. Kind of played out almost exactly as, as I thought it was. I said last week when we talked about it, again. Uh, Corum was going to be a very difficult uh, man to stop. They actually, I mean, he didn't score the first two touchdowns, but uh, he kept the run game alive. I think he finished with like 120, 130 yards or something like that. Uh, but, but it was their defense, man. Their defense uh, really, really kept uh, Washington's momentum at bay. Uh, there was nothing that they could get going. I mean, they're they're a defense. I think faces they. The last defense they faced was like 20th in the league or something like that. I, I don't remember what the stat line is, but they're going up against uh, Michigan, which was first in the league. So it wasn't any. It wasn't like any other team they had faced for the entire season, and they were able to keep the pressure on and really shut down some of their uh, top targets. So, and I'll just say this, right? I talked a lot of smack. I, I got a Michigan T-shirt in the mail. I'm going to have to wear the office because some <laughs> Michigan fan, an a actual Michigan alum, you know, made a bet with me. So, like, great. Going to have to live this up uh, in a couple weeks. But the, the first part of the game, like, the first quarter, you're like, oh, my God, they're going to get blown off the, off, off the rails here. And then their second half changes. Like, they're, they're, the way that they ratcheted down on the run game, the way that the defense traded back, this, this game was 13-20 to 20 for a long time. And there are going to be... Missed opportunities. I thought that a holding call on their on the Washington offensive line was absolute bullshit. Like 
the, yeah. the player the player got turned but because of his momentum like at the same time like Michael Penix Jr. has to hit Rome with Dunze on that fourth and eight like yeah. the guy gets free you can't underthrow him there you need to trust that like what you've been doing all season is going to get him there like he didn't get sacked until deep in the third and then like it was just constant battering ran like a hit mm-hmm. after hit after hit he, and he missed a couple of wide open throws and like you have to give credit to Michigan where it was due that they I, I said it I, you know on the preview I said that, that their speed scares me and their speed even though Penix didn't get sacked until like late in the game they had him seeing ghosts all game long and I, mm-hmm. I think that if this was last year and Michigan and um, and UW and Oregon were all going to the Big Ten like this this season would look look awesome coming up right because they're going to face each other again however a lot of sixth and seventh year redshirt seniors a lot of like fifth year players folks that, that decided to come back because they wanted to win a natty and they didn't think that their draft stock was going to be that great all of those stories right mm-hmm. so we're not going to see um versus UW. that's going to be at this caliber especially if harbaugh leaves there there is going to be some regression there right there there just is i think there's something that's great about harbaugh as a coach he's that pete carroll type who has won a national championship in college mm-hmm. now. Um, did it for his alma mater and is going to desperately, I think, seek to add a Lombardi to his case because his brother, right? Uh, you know, got Lombardi. He, he wants to be competitive in that era. If, if I'm Jim Harbaugh, I, I'm strongly listening to any coaching offer from the NFL. I, I'm just going to do it. Like, I did everything I set out to do. I restored Michigan's prominence. And on the flip side, if you take a look at UW, the athletic director came out and said, we're going to do a, a deal with Coach uh, DeBoer that just resets the standard and, you know, kind of, I think, gives them something to go into the future with. UW has not been to the Natty since 91 or 93. Like, this was an incredible team. They're building something for the future. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs next year? Potentially, depending on how good they are as a team and maybe the expanded playoffs as it goes, uh, I think, to what, 12 teams next year? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that could happen. You have to. It's not taking the the system or sorry the season with an asterisk, right? Because Michigan went three and zero without the coach on the sidelines. So obviously the talent that's in that building from a coaching perspective, absent Jim Harbaugh, is good. Um, but the whole Michigan versus everybody—I mean, it's like the Tom Brady effect, dude. Like, if you think someone hates you and that's what you you draw all your inner strength from, like, it's very difficult to go against that for for some weird you know terrible reason. Like the UW breaks just didn't go their way. And they're 14 and one. They lost in the Natty. Heartbreaking. One of the best seasons in Washington football history. Probably won't be equal for a long time. So uh, I, I would go back and I, I pick UW 10 times out of 10 times here. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm thankful you chose <clears throat> that poor decision. Because uh... <laughs> if, if I picked UM and you picked UM, We'd have to have another playoff hole, and I don't—I just don't know how we would have done that. Yeah, I mean, I just thought they were—I just thought they were just a better performing team, right? This is the this is sort of the weird situations we have with the college bowl game process, the championship process as a whole, the playoff as a whole. Not every single division across college football is made the same, right? We had. Uh, was it UCF who got bounced and they should have been in it and the team that replaced them got their ass kicked in their bowl game. So it's in in the playoff game. So it's, you could take a team that's undefeated in their division, but it's not going to stack up against, you know, like the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or, or, or whatnot. So it's, 
you're never really comparing apples to apples. It's, it's, I mean, everyone's part of the same fruit basket, but where they came from is drastically different. And this is one that, you know, if you pay attention to, to handicappers or you pay attention to any of the lines in Vegas, it was basically the story and everyone was pretty much spot on. Um, you did think you were probably going to get a little bit more performance. Um, I mean, uh, the, the receiving core on the Washington side did well enough. I mean, he finished with 255 yards. He did have two interceptions, but they just locked down uh, Adunze. Uh, Adunze, yep. Uh, most of Vegas, I mean, a lot of the lines uh, had it at like 89 and a half or something like that. Uh, and I mean, he had 87 yards, but it took a couple big plays late in the game to even get there. Um, never even sniffed the end zone. It was, yeah. it was one of those that like, if you just looked at, uh, Peace Jr.'s record, you're like, oh, he must've had a great game. 25 of 51, 255, but it did not look that way. Uh, there was a lot of yards after the catch. There was a lot of. Uh, making guys miss and extending extending drives, but he has such weird mechanics too. I don't know, unrelated, but the way he throws the ball, he has this kind of like weird, like, yeah, like doesn't look like he's gonna have a lot of oomph behind the ball. But I mean, he was slinging it downfield. It's just the teams didn't look like like look like just a regular in season matchup, you know, against cross conferences. So, and sorry, I kept calling them divisions, but conferences. The uh, uh, it just nothing felt good about this matchup. I, my opinion, I never thought it was going to be an overly competitive game. It was more. It was closer in the first half than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, and then when they came back and and put some points on the board, going to the half and like, oh, okay, maybe this is going to be somewhat interesting. And then no, no, it it just went to complete shit. <laughs> yeah, it. There, there were a couple of times there where I really felt like. They had it, the fourth and eight. I was like, yo, this is ballsy. And then I think I sounded like a wounded animal when when uh, when Odunze dropped it. There was another couple of passes when they, when they could have converted where like the receiver was clearly worried about the impending hit from the, the UM player. So like they didn't look the football in. That sounds silly for me to say this out loud, but like you just, you see it. It just, it's happening. Uh, again, credit to, to UM for putting as much of that, uh, that strength on strength as, as possible. And the one thing I was happy about was that Corum and um, the other running back, like were named co-MVP of the game because I was going to fucking throw something at the TV. If they said McCarthy, after giving all this hype to him about his journey and mental health and all sort of stuff, like I get it, dude, I get it. You got a whole bunch of pundits like me talking shit about college football, but never put on a jock strap a day in their life. I completely understand it. They were like anointing this dude. Harbaugh saying he's the best college quarterback in Michigan history. The dude chucked it 11 times, connected on five of them. Let's not even pretend for a moment that like this is anything more than Michigan going, guess what? Our line is better than your line. We had the best offensive line in the country two years before you did. You took it from us. They, they pretty much said, like, you want an asterisk on an award? Your offensive line this award this year is an asterisk. Like, we're just going to go right through you. And, and, for all of the all of the hype and all the pregame stuff was nauseating. I just felt like from from a Michigan perspective, I'm not even a Michigan fan, but this is a great storyline, right? 
we we thought there were a whole bunch of cheaters, the Connor, the Connor Stallions, uh, you know, stuff, all that. We all bought into it. They did not. Props to them for tuning it out. Um, I don't think that people will feel super heartbroken if Harbaugh decides to go to the league. I'm sure Michigan fans will. Because they're like, what the fuck? We just, we just won one. Let's run it back. But you're not going to run it back. You're, all of your fifth and sixth year players are going to the league, especially after that incredible natty performance. No one's going to be like, hmm, you know what I need to do? Go back and play in an expanded college football playoff field. Or maybe if we have one loss, we don't, we don't make the playoffs anymore. So, um, this had, according to an article I read today, had the most views since 2020 for the Natty. Wow. Um, got 8 million more views than uh, Georgia TCU. And that, that's crazy. I, I think it, it, I saw something else that it was the first Adidas-sponsored team, UW, to make it to the Natty in like the last like 10 or 15 years because they're all like Nike-branded uh, athletes. And then somewhere wow. else, that there was the first Jumpman, like Nike Jordan apparel team to make it to the natty and win. So, I mean, MJ was in the building last night. It was very apparent that, you know, momentum was definitely their friend. So that's the only thing I'll say about it. I'll just wrap that up and just say, good on you, Wolverines. I mean, the, uh, the most, the only, the only thing also is the most telling part of this entire thing is the yards differential. If you told me going into this, and I know <clears throat> Michigan's front is phenomenal. Uh, their defensive front, and I know Washington's run game isn't their bread and butter. Right? It's Adunze, and it's all you hear about. Jalen Polk, and yeah, yep. it's all you hear about. Uh, but <clears throat> if you told me that they were going to hold Washington to four to six yards, I would have been shocked. That's, I mean, I think most college games they trip more often and get a hundred yards per game. So. Rushing, it was 303 yards to Washington's 46 yards. That is insane, and that is why, yep. because they couldn't get that going, that's why he was constantly under pressure, constantly on the move, and he got sacked through, you know, failed to take care of the ball late in the game with the two interceptions because their run game couldn't get going. They literally could do nothing with it. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'll give McCarthy a little bit of a pass. If it's not broke... Why are you trying to fix it? If you're on the ground, you got 300 plus yards. It's combined, uh, you know, two touchdowns right off the right off the bat. And why are you going to change it if they're not able to stop you? You know, so that uh, was one of the the glaring uh, holes I saw in this matchup was going to be the the defensive front uh, in comparison to Corum. Um, I had him down for two touchdowns a game. He caught he got that second touchdown. Later in the game, the guy's just uh just a beast. So <clears throat> this one's tough. Washington's gotta go back to the drawing board. I don't expect they're gonna have the same level of success because I think they're changing conferences this year. Um and I'd be curious to see going up against some uh stouter defenses uh more along the lines along mm-hmm. the lines with Michigan. You know, and it's I never look at college teams the same every year because you have the transfer portal, you have guys going to the draft. Teams are just not the same year in, year out. So I take each year with, you know, a, a fresh lens. Uh, but I don't expect we'll see Washington in the same conversation for a little while. Definite, definite possibility. Definite possibility. Uh, okay, let's get into Super Wild Card Weekend. 
First of all, there is a game that you're only able to stream on Peacock. So unless you're a fan of The Office and you get that as your streaming service, uh, good luck. <laughs> it's the Kansas City game. So uh, fantastic. Yeah. Way to go, NFL. Trying to get money in whatever pocket they can. I can't hate them for it. Mm-hmm. Um, first game, Cleveland Browns, Houston, Texas. Yeah. CJ Stroud, rookie quarterback. Going to be offensive rookie of the year. If he's not, I need to speak to the voters. Um, D'Amico Ryans should be coach of the year. Yeah, just absolutely. Like, you take a rookie, you're up, you're down, he's hurt, he's back in, and, and you find a way to win, right? Now, of course, yeah, some kicks didn't go the other team's way, but, like, you played in a relatively tough and feisty, okay, not tough, but relatively feisty AFC South. On the other side of the equation, you also got a decent story. The Cleveland Browns, all this talk, is Joe Flacco elite? Apparently he is, because he comes back after not playing, and the New York Jets having the ability to re-sign him in passing because they worry about the chemistry in the locker room with Mr. fucking Aaron Rodgers. All right, dude, whatever. I, I hope you're, you're seeing what you could have had um, because the guy wanted to go back to you, and you spurned him. Way to go, Jets. Um, that being said, in this game, I, I kind of like the Browns. I, I know that sounds absolutely insane to say, but like, Stroud is like kind of cooled off a little bit. He doesn't have all the weapons anymore because some people had season into injuries. They did need some lucky breaks to go their way. People always do run out of Cinderella magic. And I'm saying that from a place where my favorite team ran out of Cinderella magic when it counted, right? So I, I think, think the Browns can pull this one off. I would love it to be a 28-21 kind of game or a 28-24 kind of game. I think that would be incredible. Um, Browns fans have been held down for a long time in football mediocrity, and I am absolutely loving the fact that Kevin Stefanski, just no matter how many like coaching changes that the team has had, or how many player and personnel changes, all the drama with like the Deshaun Watson stuff, like this team, rightfully so, like some of these other wildcard teams, was less for dead early, and myself included, put the Browns into that, and uh, I'm I'm very glad to see him here, not captained uh, by one Mr. Watson, so. Hmm. I'm gonna go Browns here, um, but I think it will be close. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's the same way. I think uh, I mean this one. This one could be a to- toss up. I don't think anybody saw uh, the Browns shaping up the way they did or, or making a playoff run, especially with Watson getting injured. Uh, hate him or or love him. That's not the point. Underdogs on top, <laughs> and I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart uh, stops. Go ahead and envy me. Oh, um, reps yeah. MVP. No, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's the game. For those of you who don't know. Yes, yes, yes. I didn't know that. The guy, <laughs> the guy who can't sing a rap, or can't do a rap song without naming twenty-eight people by name. It's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the Texans are just kind of running out of magic a little bit. Um, they've been banged up. Uh, I mean, I, I do think this one will end up being competitive. I think Flacco and the Browns are are kind of hitting. Uh, a good stride right at the perfect time. They've been fun to watch the last couple of weeks. I think they'll continue past this round. I do think they'll probably beat the Texans. I don't expect this to be some miracle run and they're going to you know, go deep into the playoffs, but I do think they make it out of wildcard weekend and the first time they go up against a, a team like, I don't know, I don't, I don't even know who they end up facing, but let's call it the Chiefs, the Bills, the... The, the Dolphins, any of those teams would probably beat the Browns with their eyes closed. So, yeah. Um, Do you think Mattress Mac is going to put a million dollar bet on the Texans? 
God, he he does some weird shit. That that guy makes a lot of money, and he just says, mm-hmm. "I'm gonna put a million dollars on Texas," and then Texas doesn't make it. You're like, "What are you, my my dude? What are you doing? Just like, just donate, donate next time. Say, hey, if I if I win, then I'll take this money and I'll." But I'm not mistaken. Costs, just, I think it's like Texas, Drake. It's a curse when he when he decides to. I I think if I'm not mistaken, I actually think. Uh, Texans might be the underdog in this game. I'm trying to see if I can find the line here. Uh, I feel weekly odds. Uh, they're not out on, not out on DraftKings yet. I can let me see. Uh, NFL. Well, the worldwide leader should have it. Yeah. Yeah, they would. That's Yahoo Sports for those uninitiated. odds. <laughs> I, I think I, if I if I remember correctly, I think they're, I think they're like plus three and a half. So they're they're considering the Texans the underdogs here. So people are starting to pay attention to what the Browns are doing. So <clears throat> pretty interesting little turn of events for them. We'll have to see how this how this plays out. Um, I mean, it'd be very cool to see how this goes, but uh, I don't suspect this is something we'll, uh, we'll we'll be talking about a couple weeks from now, unfortunately. Yep, unfortunately. Gotta agree with you there. Okay, Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins. Dolphins, in-season hard knocks recipient. Dolphins got the coach with the most drip. Dolphins got the, the team with the most players that can run wicked fucking fast and probably uh, make the Olympics. Dolphins. Injuries. Dolphins. Slipping and losing games they should not lose. Dolphins. Just win against the Buffalo Bills at home, and you're the number two seed. You win the division. You've said from the beginning, that is your goal, win the division. Dolphins. Lose against the Bills at home. Week 18, heartbreaker. You're the seventh seed now. You're not the two seed. So, you look at that, and you're like, ugh, wrong side of momentum. And you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been, honestly, Slipping so much, and I'm beginning to wonder if that conspiracy theory I saw about Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey, and she's an Eagles fan, just to ruin their Super Bowl chances. I'm beginning to give it credence now because there's just so many weird, funky things that just they shouldn't have worked this year, man. Like the, the Chiefs, like I get that Tyreek is no longer there, but like you can't find any other wide receiver, like three to make one kind of thing. Like Kelsey has to be your outlet. Like the running game can't get going. Mahomes. Just making a lot of throws and just happen to get picked off. Like there are so many weird things about the Kansas City Chiefs this season, but I am too terrified to pick against them on a wild card weekend. Perhaps mm-hmm. in a divisional game, it's a little bit closer of a pick. And if this was the AFC Championship game, I would be likely leaning Dolphins, depending on how the rest of the postseason went. But I can't, I can't pick against the Chiefs here. I, that momentum is swinging up in their way. Their players rested in Week 18 and didn't need to fight for. A division crown, whereas I feel like the Dolphins are going to want to come out. Plus, these two teams already played each other in London this year, and the Chiefs won a low-scoring affair. So I would yeah. not, I would not be surprised that they do it again. Now it is hard to beat the same team multiple times in a season, even yeah. if they're just conference teams and you just happen to see them. But Miami is like signing a whole bunch of free agents uh, to patch up their defense. Like they've had some injuries over there. You just wonder, like. What is this team going to be able to do in a postseason push? You want you like 
you, you kind of look at this at the season and think that the Miami Dolphins are going to be kicking themselves for losing some of the earlier games that they did because they wouldn't necessarily be in a position where they had to fight for a division crown in week 18. Yeah. Whereas the Chiefs already locked theirs up and they had a down season for sure uh, this year. So I'm going to go Chiefs. Uh, <clears throat> Chiefs are, I, I think these are all unofficial lines. Most, most, almost nobody has them out yet. But for me, <clears throat> and I think the, I think the Chiefs are uh, minus three and a half. So they expect this to also be another really close game. I actually think the Dolphins are going to come away with this one because they've been a team that has been difficult to go out and, and be competitive with uh, uh, on more than one occasion. And I think we're seeing some of the chinks a little bit in the way teams are game planning against, uh, or sorry, against the way the Chiefs have been playing. Uh, like Kelsey has been pretty much non-existent for the entire second half of the season. Uh Week in, week out. I mean, fantasy-wise, he's underperformed almost every week. Uh, I think he's finished with maybe four or five touchdowns in the second half of the season, too. So he went from being your biggest part, your biggest target to almost a non-factor. He's been functioning more as a blocking tight end now or, if nothing else, as a decoy out on the field. Um, when he's got his opportunities, sometimes he's taking advantage of them. Other times... Not really. It's been uh I don't know, it's kind of a weird little roller coaster situation for Kansas City. And I think the Dolphins are just I mean, that was heartbreaking, uh, the loss that they had uh this last weekend. I I, I think everyone has seen the the meme now, uh or or Josh McDaniel's face being turned into a meme, uh, when they scored that last touchdown, uh where they deflected the ball straight up into the air. Ended up coming down perfectly for a guy on the back edge of the end zone for a touchdown. Uh, I think it was Diggs caught it as he was going out of bounds. Um, so, like, that's just a tough break, right? You went up and you had a competitive game against the Bills. Um, I mean, I no longer think the Chiefs are, in my opinion, in the top three, top five favorites to, to win the Super Bowl. I, I actually have them outside that list. And I think. In my opinion, the Dolphins have a better chance of pulling that out. Um, so I'm I'm going to go Dolphins in this one. I think we've had an unhealthy hill for the last few weeks. Missed a couple games. Was playing a little banged up. Uh, everyone's going to find a little extra motivation. I think we're going to see some some crazy stuff come out of that offense over the next few weeks. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, Buffalo Bills. Pittsburgh Steelers. Rumors that Tomlin is going to walk away, uh, maybe take a break from football uh, after the season. J.J. Watt sprained his uh, PCL, witnessed it. I uh, was able to walk off the field uh, under his own power, but he's already been ruled out. I, I suspect it's because they think if they can make it through this game, they want him healthy for the foreseeable future, which makes a lot of sense. But I'm not picking against the uh, momentum of the Bills right now. I just can't. Mm. Um, do I do I love the redemption story of Mason Rudolph? Of course I do. Do I think that the Steelers, as currently constructed, could take on the Bills and win? No, I do not. And the the common opponent I, I think that you need to take a look at is that like, yes, the Steelers did beat the Ravens. And I think the Ravens definitely were sleeping earlier in the season and they just hadn't found their their brand of football. And you could take a look at 
the game that they won this this past week, but like none of the starters were in. So you yeah. have to you, you kind of have to just take that with a grain of salt. Um, love the Steelers, awesome fans. Um, obviously they have a, a team with a lot of rich history, but I don't think that they they get out of this wild card round. I I don't. And you know, for a lot of the pundits that left the Steelers for dead after uh, the Pickens, um, <laughs> the George Pickens wide receiver drama, the Kenny Pickett quarterback drama, the is Mike Tomlin going to go above five hundred drama. All that didn't didn't come to pass, right? That is fantastic for the Steelers. I I I wonder if Tomlin like made a deal like with the Triple Bs when they won that first Super Bowl. If he was if if Tomlin just like looked at God and was like, "Listen, we need this one," and and the big guy was like, "Okay, sure," but like you're never going to win another one. You're just going to go perennially above five hundred. Tomlin takes that deal ten times out of ten, right? He's like, oh, "Absolutely, give us this one." Cement us in legacy. Patriots won't ever get seven. That's cool. And uh, the Rooney's, they can die happy. And as long as I go above 500 every year, I don't give a fuck if it's nine and eight. And big man's like, you got it. Sign here. Like that has to have happened because like there's no way that the Steelers should have continued to win the games that they did, but they did. So as much as I want to pick them, I can't here. So I'm going to go build. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think, um, the win against the Ravens was a little misleading. Uh, I picked the Ravens and then I, without realizing, I mean, I picked them knowing that some of the starters would sit. I didn't realize Lamar Jackson would be the one, one of those guys that would be sitting. So, um, you know, whether you agree or disagree with it, uh, he is in consideration for MVP this season. Um, I am one of those that. Uh, maybe does not agree with it. So, uh, but I still know what his value is when he's on the field. So, if I knew he wasn't starting, I would have, uh, I would not have picked the the, the Ravens to win. Uh, but um, I don't think that's going to be a factor. This, I don't think the Steelers are going to come out and have the same level of performance against uh, the Bills that they have been. Uh, the Bills still kind of sketch me out a little bit. Um, only because they were inconsistent leading up to the last few weeks. They were they were great. Josh Allen was taking care of the ball, um, but then he kind of slipped into some normal uh, Josh Allen-type behavior where uh, he was getting spooked, failing to take care of the ball, throwing interceptions, multiple interceptions per game. Um, he did this game, too. He did. He did, and that's a prop I took, and that's, that's, one, uh, that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, seriously, was it was it Josh Allen uh, two and a half turnovers? Is, this, is that what it was? It was Josh was? Allen uh, uh, at least one interception or more as part of a as part of a three legger. You, you dirty dog, you! I know. I mean, I know. I mean good on you, dude. Good on you, <laughs> Rain Man over here. I know. It's just uh, it was part of a little uh, three legger I had going uh, because it's it's one of those I just don't have. Um, yeah, I had uh, Tyreek, one or more touchdowns, Josh Allen, uh, one or more interceptions, and then the Bills for the win. So, uh, <clears throat> nailed that one. Um, but it's I don't have a lot of faith in his ability to take care of the ball, um, but I don't think it's going to be a factor in this game. The Steelers are a team that, that can kind of surprise you on occasion, but I don't think... And this isn't a Tomlin issue, and with T.J. Watt being out, he's their defensive star that's kind of held this team together. 
Um, I don't think, I just don't think they're built to go up against teams like the Bills. And if it's the Bills, it's not, if the Bills fail to beat them, it'll be the Dolphins or it'll be the Chiefs or whatever, whatever one of those matchups comes up. I don't think they have the ability to go deep. I think they're going to get exposed here. Whatever your feelings are on Mason Rudolph and how well he's performed, I still think uh, strength of schedule, some of what they, I mean, everyone, if if you get rid of the Ravens game, they haven't had anything that's been overly impressive over the last few weeks. So I don't think this is something that we're hanging our hat on. Uh, I I think the Bills are going to take this one, and and I actually think it's going to be uh, a little lopsided in terms of victories. So I'm going to Bills as well. All right. Fourth game of Super Wildcard Weekend, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the mm. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, another division, the NFC South, that came down to Week 18. Yep. And um, I, I, you want to go for the Eagles here, right? They were, they were a team who was like, oh, my God, they went 10-1. and one, And then they just completely stumbled and fell apart at the end of the season. They got thumped. By the Niners, they lost an incredible game to the Seahawks, and the Giants, the Giants, the Giants with Terod Taylor in a game that they needed that that they didn't need to win, but the Eagles needed to keep pressure on the Dallas Cowboys, who are facing also not the greatest of opponents, the Washington Commanders in Week 18 for the title. Eagles completely flat, and they just I think they pulled both Kelsey and Hurts like by halftime. It was um, just, it I loved it. I loved it. I loved it, man. It I loved it. I kept looking I down and that. seeing the score. I was like, oh, my God, are they losing to the, the Giants yep. right now? Is this, yep. what, is yep. this what's happening? We, we were watching the game. Um, uh, it, was, it, was, it was bananas. It was, I, it was so cool. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think they had points up for the entire first half, point. right? Yeah. It was unreal. It wasn't until they um, sat Kelsey, right? They sat Kelsey and Hurts, and then they found yes. a way to put up some points, which is... A little concerning. concerning against yeah, the concerning. Yeah. Um, Kelsey has already come back and say that he, he and his wife, he and his family have spoken, and he's coming back uh, for another season. So um, I think that's because they realize there's a ceiling there, and they're not the best football team this year. That being said, they can get through the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I feel like it's it, fantastic for Tampa Bay. Mayfield can win another bunch of oodles of money if he wins a playoff victory here. I struggle to see that the Eagles uh, can't beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers even on the road. So I, I'm going to go Eagles here. Uh, if it was Marcus Mariota that was playing this game, I'm going Buccaneers all day. But I, I just can't. I can't pick against the Eagles here. I mean, <clears throat> I, I'm actually going to, which is. Uh... Why didn't wild. we just fucking keep the picks going into wild card weekend? You know what I mean? I would have maybe I would have survived. You give me freebies like this. I mean, we we can we can say they're freebies, man. But I, the Bucks. I mean, I, I ran over the the stats last week, right? Of what Baker Mayfield has been doing and outperforming Jalen Hurts is one of those things that he's been doing, especially the tail end of the season. Um, so I don't think this is going to necessarily be the the Buccaneers being like an overly better team. I just think they are, uh, their chemistry, their, what they've been able to do over the last few weeks, whatever it is that they've figured out here is working in their favor. And I think it's going to be something that, 
Is it going to allow them to take advantage of a team that has been uh, stumbling quite a bit as of late? And watching the game, you can't really figure it out, like what is going on. But if a team like the Giants can hold them to zero points for uh, the first half yes. and then to 10 points total in the second half, even if you're sitting at your starters, uh, I mean, they didn't get a field goal until the third quarter of this game. I do think the Bucks are a better team than the Giants, and I think that might be a little bit more of an eye-opener in terms of, like, you have a blueprint now, right? And the Eagles have been a team that's been inconsistent week after week. Uh, it's Things don't seem to be lining up momentum-wise in favor of the Eagles. And the Eagles only outscore the Bucks on average, like, five points per game. They mm-hmm. average 25 and a half. The the Bucks are twenty and a half points a game, so it's not like there's a, a drastic difference in in output for either of these teams. Uh, the defense for the Bucks is actually significantly better. They're seventh in the league compared to the Eagles' thirtieth in the league. So defensive problems are going to be something that's going to get you exposed uh, in the wild card and in in the first. I mean, throughout the entire playoff run, but it feels like. This is something the Bucks are going to be able to take advantage of. They match up almost identically in terms of passing yards. Their defense is, is very similar in terms of the passing game and the rush. So the the glaring problem is going to be the points allowed per game. The Bucks have a bend but don't break. The Eagles don't. They're 30th in the league. Like you're you're ranked almost last in your ability to prevent teams from scoring points. Um the only trade-off, the only benefit they're going to have is the Bucks are, are 20th in, in uh, points scored. So it's not like they're going to try to run up the score here. But I do think this is going to be something. I think this is something that if, if the Eagles lose this, we're going to start seeing some head rolls in Philly. I, because I'm, I'm glad that you said it because I was thinking it. And I, I was going to say, Tim, what if the Eagles lose this game? Because we... We we know that Philly fans are rabid uh, in their oh, yeah. fandom and how much yeah. they love and identify with the Eagles. Um, and if this was if this was to occur, dude, oh my god! I I imagine you see Sirianni under the gun. Maybe I mean maybe not eleven and six, not terrible. But you'll see like the defensive coordinator probably on the chopping block. Maybe even the offensive coordinator. Um, I don't think it'd be a great look. I mean, the last two weeks they've lost to the Cardinals and the Giants, which is a really bad look. They lost to the Seahawks, they lost to the Cowboys, uh, and the Niners, which I guess you could take. But they did beat back in Week 12. They beat Buffalo. Uh, they beat the Chiefs before that. They beat the Cowboys before that. So they did have a stretch where they were coming out and performing well, and then they just completely shit the bed. And the team that they and the the Giants team that they lost to was the same one they beat by only a touchdown uh, the last time they met him like three weeks ago. So, I mean, you beat the team once, who's one of the worst teams in the entire league, uh, and then you let them come out and completely, completely demolish you. Uh, 27-10 wasn't even accurate in terms of what that game looked like. That was the Giants taking their foot off the pedal, but yeah, I um, I think, you know, and it's it's weird because all the trash talk I had from Mayfield 
at the beginning, I mean, over the last few years entirely, uh, I feel weird rooting for him a little bit, but there's something in me that feels like, all right, let's see where this goes. Let's watch it. And it's, and I'm, I find myself pulling for him a little bit. And that's probably just because we all like a good underdog story, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pulling from in this one, and I think they're going to pull this one out. I don't know what the next week will look like, but I do think there's a little magic left in there. Evans has been playing well. Uh, they look like an entirely different team from the first half to the second half of the season. So as we look down the stat lines, if we could just look at the second half of the season, everything would probably be quite a bit better than what it was uh, in terms of like the comparative to the, to the first part of the season. But they're a playoff team, man. They're in the wild card, so I, uh, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take uh, Tampa here. Tampa, Tim, Tampa, Tim. Let's see what happens there. We could, uh, we could spice things up and go double or nothing for the weekend. Fuck yeah, let's do it. I don't even need to think about it. I was so happy that you agreed that you agreed to that. Let's go, let's right. go. Uh, okay. Oh man, now I'm not even rethinking any of my picks. New life. A little more gusto here. All right, Lions, Rams. <laughs> Tell me. A, Tell me a story about a guy who played for a team that was 0-16, a guy who played for a team, didn't take, you know, perennial first-round playoff exits, a, a guy that gave his body for the team, never could realize postseason glory. He goes to another team. They go and win the professional natty, okay? World champions. Then he's got to go back to the team that he left. Uh, when he when he went in search of greener pastures. Now, this would get crazier, right? And you would never believe me if I told you that the quarterback for that team came from the team that the quarterback A went to, uh, also went to the Super Bowl, didn't win uh, the first one, happened to lose a, a 13-3 snooze fest, which uh, everyone, myself included, thought was going to be a 50-burger, uh, and now is experiencing a career resurgence on a new team. It's like Freaky Friday with football players. That's Lions Rams. Matt Stafford, Detroit Lions legend, won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Now he's got to go back to Detroit, who's on a hell of an upswing. Division champs for the first time in 30 years, hosted a playoff game for the first time in 30 years. Wow, the magic and the story of this. If there was an NFL script, I mean, fucking hats off to them. Because I probably would have been like, no one's ever going to buy this. Until now, I'm looking at them like, is the script ready? Because I'm ready to produce this movie. So... (laughs) Yeah, I this think, is gonna be crazy. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna bury the this is lead. It's gonna be here. absolutely crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna bury the lead here. I'm gonna go Detroit because I don't think the Rams have been able to maintain any level of momentum over the last few weeks. Uh, and the Lions, maybe not so sneaky, have finished as one of the best teams in football. And I mm. think, I think everybody. Uh, across the board is kind of doing them a little dirty at keeping them at like middle of the pack in terms of Super Bowl favorites. Uh, statistically, as you run down the line, when you look at what this team's been able to do, they're uh, fifth in points scored per game. Uh, they're second in passing yards per game, fifth in rushing. I mean, Montgomery's been just an absolute animal. Um and they're second in defensive rushing yards per game. So this is a very well-rounded team. There's some holes a little bit on their, their passing defense. They're 27th there. Um, sometimes causes them to give up points uh, you know, late in some games. I mean, they only lost five, but they are 23rd in points allowed per game. So 
that's you know definitely some room for improvement but they are on paper a much better team than what the rams are now yep we all know what the rams are, are capable of we we've seen it over the last few years but i'm i don't feel like they're performing at that level uh other than the win over the niners uh, in week 18 which you know week 18 for me is, is kind of a a weird week i don't put a lot of salt in, I, I i don't put a lot of big stock into that last week but they've beaten some pretty stout teams they beat uh i mean the last if you look at three of the four last wins that they had only the niners are a team i would walk away proud of it's the giants the saints and the commanders they lost to baltimore they beat the browns they beat the cardinals they beat the seahawks uh they lost to Green Bay. They lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Steelers. Like their strength of schedule has. What's that? Was you about the Rams or the Lions? I'm talking about the the Rams. The Rams. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, you're talking about the Lions. No, oh, no, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about the Rams. Their schedule has been the softest schedule of most teams, and they've had a lot of opportunities to really run away with the division, and they only finished ten and seven, which is tough. And to put up some of those stats we saw, I mean, they rank just above the top of the middle of the pack for basically everything across the board, if not the bottom of the the bottom of the league. So nothing in their schedule screams to me this team is capable of going out and beating good teams. They're able to beat mediocre teams most of the time, not all of the time. Uh, so they're not a team that I'm I'm scared of. When you watch them on the weekends, they don't feel or look like they have been uh, over the last few seasons. And if we compare them to the strength of schedule for the uh, for the Lions, they kind of match up a little bit. We got the Vikings, the Cowboys. I'm, I'm just going down the list from 18 to, to we'll go halfway through, but it's been uh, the Vikings. They lost to the Cowboys by one point. They beat the Vikings, the Broncos. And that was when the Broncos were were starting to hit their stride, but they literally blew them out, 42-17. They lost to the Bears. They beat the Saints. They lost to the Packers. They beat the Bears again. Beat the Chargers uh, on Week 10. And then it's uh, they only lost to the Seahawks and the Ravens. But they also haven't had the strongest schedule either, but there are a couple more wins in there uh, or close games that that lead me to believe that they may have the potential to, to perform a little bit. And if nothing else, you just keep feeding the ball to Montgomery. He's going to take you to the promised land most of the time. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm 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 going to go Lions in this one. I don't know where you're at, but I think Goff is going to go Lions too. Yeah, shout think, out, shout out, Matt. Yeah, I think Goff has been playing incredibly well. Uh, underrated, I would say. He's not one that's gotten a lot of conversation. I mean, I wouldn't put him in the MVP conversation, but uh, he's not one that's gotten a lot of uh, face time in terms of one of the better performers of the season. He does what he needs to do, though, and I think that's that's what uh, that's yeah. what helps in there. All right, last wild card game: Cowboys, Green Bay Packers. No Des Bryant. No, he caught it. No Aaron Rodgers. No Tony Romo. Even though I bet Romo will call this. Oh, no, yeah, it's on Fox, so no, Romo's not going to call this game. But uh, it's probably gonna be Greg Olson. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Jordan Love, great story, awesome. Couldn't beat the Lions in the, in the division. A lot of touchdowns. A lot of picks. Your first year after being in the league for a few years, the team just doesn't seem to have the 
punch above their weight class. Whereas the Cowboys, when the Cowboys are humming, the Cowboys can beat just about anyone. Mm-hmm. When the Cowboys are not, that's when you kept them, catch them slipping and like they needed to go win the division and they took it resoundingly <laughs> so. They were competitive in both games against the Eagles before the Eagles fell apart. So I can't pick against the Cowboys here. I, I really can't. Mike McCarthy is, whether no one wants to believe it or not, coaching for his job. Um, there are a lot of you know, talk throughout the league about getting some of their position coaches, whether it's Dan Quinn and their defensive coordinator for head coaching vacancy somewhere else. Um, questions around McCarthy and the decisions that he makes. That's not going to be quieted, even with a win. But it will be pushed off for a couple more weeks. Uh, and, and a conference championship exit is probably their ceiling, right? Mm-hmm. But making it there when they lose in the divisional round perennially, I think that'd be pretty good. So it starts here and they need to do this. They need to go ahead and put a a very feisty Green Bay team to bed. So I think they do it. Uh, I think it is a closer game, but I'm going to go Cowboys here. Yeah. I mean, Keen beating that same theme with the the strength of schedule and you look at the teams that they've been competitive against versus Green Bay, it's not even close. The Cowboys, I think, have had one of the hardest schedules. I'd love to look up and see uh, how the strength of schedules all match up because the uh, Cowboys had a rough go of it the entire second half. I mean, they had a stretch where it was uh, a surging Seahawks team, then it was Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, and it finished with the Commanders. Uh, they played the Eagles twice. They played the Niners earlier in the year. Uh, so, I mean, this is... Their entire schedule isn't overly difficult, but they went and finished like the tail end of the season was just uh, a battering ram of competition. And other than the loss, the Bills that they lost by uh, 21 points, they were competitive in every one of these games. Uh, They lost to the Dolphins by two points. Uh, They blew out the Eagles. Uh, They did beat the Dolphins by a point. We already talked about that. Uh, so it's, I, I just think they are a, a better battle-tested and well-rounded team. Dak Prescott, uh, when he's taking advantage of some of the extra time that he has, and C.D. Lamb has become uh, just a, uh, a momentum killer uh, for opposing teams. That man has had a stellar year this year. I think he's leading in, leading in touchdowns, 122, I thought. I can't remember. Uh, but he's up there in terms of how well he's been performing. Uh, and this team is really difficult to, to stop when everybody's firing on all cylinders. I mean, I, they at the beginning of the year, I said they were one of my favorites to win. I still think they lose against a team like the Dolphins. If the Dolphins are playing at peak performance, the Dolphins already beat him three weeks ago, uh, which mm-hmm. I know it is tough to kind of go back and back. Back to back, uh, but <clears throat> I do think the the Cowboys are a team that could kind of fuck around and, and make some noise and in, into the like going into Super Bowl weekend. All right, so you're gonna go Cowboys here. So the only the only games that were different on are Chiefs, Dolphins, and Eagles, Buccaneers. Yeah. So I like it. Three. Uh... If we end up tied, we'll we'll revert back to the to the bowl game as the. Uh... Okay. All right. Cool. We'll call Let's it a finish push. this episode. We'll call it a push, so that oh, uh, yeah, so that it's not double. Given how good you are with just... uh, 
with odds and betting, I just I would rather not. <laughs> rather well, a push a push means a push for those who are uninitiated means Me. nobody wins or loses. You just get your money back. So a push would mean it's no longer double. It's just not nothing. So that's where the double or nothing comes in. Because if you lose, you got to up your 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 bottle finding game up. <laughs> uh, if you win, all's fair. We we both walk away from the table. If it's a push. It sounds like John Wick Four, (laughs) you know what I mean. Let me. Sounds like John Wick Four. I'm just not sure about this. Let's end this episode of uh, Stats Matter. Let's talk about it's hot out here for these coaches. Mm. Um, Mike Vrabel, yeah, yep. Quizzical statement from the owner about how they they believe that they have uh, enviable cap space, a bright future, Mm -hmm. uh, and this is not just based off of their disappointing season when they went six and eleven. Patriots. Rumored to be end of an era with uh, Bill Belichick uh, yeah. moving on. Brandon Staley fired, uh, you know, I'm in pouring. season. Here we go. He's going. To, he's pouring one out for Bill Belichick. He's pouring one out for Belichick and this this distillate because it's going to leave the same awful taste in my mouth as firing Bill Belichick because I don't think it's because it is. Fault. Thankfully, um, the oh. the whole hash- oh. oh oh is that is that Bobby Kraft in your in your glass? Oh my god, that smells. Like- you, it's Jeff Fuel, dude. It smells like straight tequila. I was like, I, I, I poured a little aggressive, that. and I just stuck my nose in it. Uh, uh, the, so the reason I poured it, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on each one a little bit, but I think Bill Belichick has won a Super Bowl more recently than almost every coach yeah. in the league who still has a job and will retain a job. In my mind, I know everyone calls him the GM, but we all know that he's not the final decision maker. We saw it play out with the Garoppolo. We saw it play out with the Tom Brady decision. We saw it play out time and time again where he was not the final decision maker, yet he's the one that is dying on his the sword for that team as the, the reason why they're where they are. That team has refused to open up a checkbook for the last 25 years mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. almost every occasion. They've tried to continue to sustain success by flipping guys who might have been at the tail end of their prime with a little left in the tank, and they found ways to kind of mix them into a scheme to to get what they have left out of them. They turned a lacrosse guy into uh, a top receiver in Hogan. They've done some pretty great things, but that's not the league anymore. The, the league uh, is hung on like severe talent discrepancies between teams. If you look down the line at the teams who are having success, it's because you can pick a handful of players on that team that are marquee players. Two of them are probably superstars. I look at a team like the Patriots, and, I mean, you had Slater, he's about to retire. Uh, I don't know anybody on that team who I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's our superstar. We thought Elliott was going to be it. Nope. Same bullshit. They tried to bring him in at the tail end of his contract. We had Myers, who was here and doing well. They decided to offload him. Ramondre is a little flash in the pan. Is probably going to be a superstar. He got injured. He was out. They didn't do anything. They brought in a guy who's uh, underdeveloped in Mac Jones. They brought him back this year uh, with his third offensive coordinator without giving him any viable weapons. Juju Smith-Schuster also passed his prime, was pretty much a non-factor. He took a team that was built with uh, at least two 
core wide receivers who could perform at a high level, and then a tight end who was arguably one of the best in all of football and the best to ever do it. Uh, and then you wiped all that out. You gave a quarterback who didn't have proper development time, and you took away all of his weapons and said, here, go win some games with these nobodies. And the only guy you had some success with, you offloaded to another team who is still like a wide receiver too everywhere else. So that's not just on Bill. That's an entire leadership decision tree that failed completely. So I, I think this is one that doesn't make sense to me. You've had 20 plus years of sustained sustained success in three years of a poorly built team. And now you're ready to, to blame it on Bill Belichick. That's complete nonsense. So for you, I'm don't, drinking this. And, and who knows? It don't make a lot very, of sense, man. It would be very patriot-like for him to not actually go anywhere and this be just the media making up the conversation without him. Because they asked him about it today, and he's like, I'm still here on the contract. So, who knows? But uh, I'm really not looking forward to this. You shouldn't have sniffed it first, man. That's just not going to be good. <clears throat> Better than I thought it was. Oh, never mind. It's not great. <laughs> it's not good. That second, she'll let, it, second time she'll let it sit in the barrel. Make your own yeah. barrel. Throw it in there. See what happens. I'm gonna mix it with some booze later. <laughs> Carry on. Speaking <laughs> of booze, um, Mike Vrabel. Yeah. The Titans have a coach that will run through a brick wall. A coach that has said, um, "I'd give my left testicle to win a Super Bowl." Yep. And quizzically, they're like, "We're disappointed in the season." We're, we believe we're perennial champions of the league, that we have enviable cap space, all this stuff. Do you know how many people probably want Mike Vrabel as your coach to include the, the New England Patriots, to include the, I don't know, the Saint, the I almost call them the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers, to include the goddamn Carolina Panthers, right? He is, a, he is the top guy now for all these jobs because he was just moved on. And... The quizzical thing, Diana Rossini from The Athletic talked about um, that the Tennessee didn't want to explore a trade because they figured it would take too long to get done. No. Sean Payton was allowed to sit in the sidelines. He was allowed to come back and coach. But New Orleans got some, got, they got something for that ass in return. You do it for players all the time. To allow a coach to just walk and just say, here are your papers. Thanks for your service. You're 45. You're 54. It's 56 and 48, whatever it is. But like simply winning games more than you lose them is not enough. Like, okay, Titans, <laughs> I hope you really like giving the, the keys to some whiz-bang offensive coordinator who's had one season of experience. Will Levis and him are beefing by next season. Uh, Derek Henry's gone. You have no running game. Fans are pissed. And by the way, Mike Vrabel is going to a team and going to immediately um, change the culture in that team because people love to play for him and will run through a brick wall. So way to go, Titans. You, like you have an opening, oh, you know who you should interview for that opening? Fucking Mike Vrabel. Like what? <laughs> uh, you, you can say what you want. One of the most boss moments of Mike Vrabel's coaching career was him against the Patriots taking a five-yard backwards penalty because the clock wouldn't stop, and he just wasted time and time. And like Bill got so mad at him, and after the game, he was like, "Yeah, Bill taught me that rule. He just never used it in the game. Like <laughs> just insane." And you let that dude go. Nah, nah, man. Three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks. Rabel took some swings. He did exactly what he needed to do. That team loves him. At, the Tennessee Titans are going to be fucking bad in the foreseeable future. 
because they want to kick Vrabel to the curb. And Vrabel's going to go to a team that's going to appreciate and love him. I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of his what six seasons? I think all but two of two. them were winning seasons. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it was just the last two seasons, and he underperformed in the playoffs. I'm sure that's what it was, what they were looking at. But Tannehill, he had the the two year redemption tour uh, that I kept calling. Uh, but I just don't think he ever panned out quite the way they were hoping, or that a lot of folks were hoping. Um, so it's another one where I find it tough that he's falling on the sword for his team when really, you know, it could have been a, a number of folks, uh, you could point the finger at, I think Derek Henry, um, while he was their top performer, I think there were moments where like his performance started to slide. There was some conversation whether or not he was, uh, he was past his prime. I know he's going into free agency this week. I'm sure he'll be a, a Patriots pickup cause why not? Uh, but there's some conversations about the Patriots looking towards variable if they do decide to move on from Belichick. But there's Patriots have some leverage, and I think by allowing Bill Belichick to say he's still on a contract, that allows them to open it up to whatever they want. They can kill his contract, let him go on and do his own thing, bring someone like Vrabel in. But because he's still on a contract, they could get stuff from the Titans in exchange for Bill Belichick. They could he could get some. They could get some draft picks out of him and trade him like they would a player and then still sign Vrabel. So there's a lot of stuff that's kind of floating around out there. Um, but I I do think if Belichick walks, Vrabel's probably a prime candidate to come in for the Patriots. Uh, but you got to build a team around him. You got to do something because even if you keep Mac Jones in there, which it sounds like they didn't, and I, I, I'm really disappointed in the way that whole thing played out, good or bad, indifferent, uh, I think the kid was skilled enough. I mean, <clears throat> I heard a quote, and it was more about the NBA than it was the NFL, but it resonates a lot with professional athletes, is that, uh, you know, some guy was out saying he was the best three-point shooter ever, and he has all these Guinness World Records, and they brought him out, and uh, they brought him on uh, one of the talk shows with Shaq and, and all those guys. And the guy just buckled under the pressure. I mean, he has the Guinness record, so he's done all that stuff. It's been verified and, and validated, but there's a difference between doing it at a home gym versus on the prime stage. But Scalabrini said, uh, I'm closer to Michael Jordan than you are to me. And what like what he means by that is that professional athletes that make it to that top level are just so much better than what the average person even thinks that they are. That when Scalabrini played against Jordan, Jordan was like obviously number one in the league and Scalabrini was so far down below. But that dude was still putting up three-pointers. He was still doing all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, and I think... Uh, I think... I, I think that kind of translates a lot into every other sport. Like, Mac Jones, we want to shit on him all we want. But he's still someone who made it all the way through the ranks of high school and college, made it through the draft, got into the NFL. The guy has talent and can play. He was just poorly developed. He didn't have enough time to to see how the game differs from the college game. He had rotating offensive coordinators. So I do hope the guy moves on and lands with the team. And, and I don't know, maybe he goes with Belichick, wherever, wherever Belichick is going. But has a chance to, like sit on a bench for a year under somebody worth 
studying. Maybe he replaces Sam Darnold in New York as a backup for a bit while Rodgers is, is figuring out what's going on. Uh, or not, not Sam Darnold. I don't even remember who it is anymore. But Zach Wilson. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Um, <clears throat> but it's, I don't know. I think there was a lot that went wrong in New England, and I don't know if all of it falls on Bill Belichick's shoulders, unfortunately. Um, and I wouldn't mind seeing someone like Vrabel come in, but I'm a little concerned that they're going to give him the same treatment. Good. Definite possibility. Um, the only thing I have left to say for this episode is uh, Falcons coach Arthur Smith dismissed. Mm-hmm. They got thumped by the Saints, and uh, Jameis Winston decided to give Jamal Williams, not victory formation, but uh, a, a, a game over winning touchdown. Yeah. And the sports world's a little divided about that. Arthur Smith was super upset, refused to shake Dennis Allen's hand like a little bitch. And I'm saying that with my full <laughs> yeah. chest. Like, dude, like, you lost. You have oh. Bijan Robinson, a guy that is electric, and you can't figure out how to use him. You have Kyle Pitts, who is an, an incredible tight end talent. You can't figure out how to use him. You've had three years in a row, a row of just terrible coaching. And you got canned in week 18. They let you finish up the season. Okay. You, you had a chance to coach maybe with your job on the line or just, just to at least make the, the blank family just feel a little bit better. And you couldn't stop the Saints. Yeah. And uh, I get it. James Winston came in and he said, I, I apologize to Dennis Allen. The play was victory formation, but but we decided as a team. And there's everyone, oh, I'd cut him, I'd fire him, all this stuff. People forget that like week 18 is so important for a lot of folks' contract riders if they haven't yep. made it there in the season. And Jamal Williams led the NFL in touchdowns the previous season when he was with the Lions. And they drafted Jameer Gibbs and they said, Hey man, we just between Gibbs and Montgomery, we don't have room for you and uh we wish you the best of luck. And then he goes to a team that has Taysom Hill doesn't use the running backs out, not named Alvin Kamara very well. And they decided as a team to get him a touchdown before the season ended. You can say as much as you want about Jameis Winston. Dennis Allen has done next to nothing of consequence, I believe, as the, the coach of the New Orleans Saints since uh, Sean Payton left. Mm-hmm. But like, get over it, Falcons. Get over yeah. it. He lost 41-17. Yeah, to 17. You were going to lose. Like, like Jameis actually made a solid argument. He said, we got an interception. We returned all the way to the one yard line. So if we, if we, if we scored, is that disrespectful? And you're like, well, <laughs> Jameis, you kind of disobeyed the coach. But at the same time, Jameis is a guy who's had some ups. He's had some downs and New Orleans has really embraced him. And I, I'm, I'm here for it. Like Jamal Williams has been a guy that's helped a lot of people win fantasy championships in the past. He's got Detroit and anime fan lore behind him. Like, I thought he had a touchdown and he wanted to make sure that he got a touchdown before the season had a touchdown. There's probably some financial incentive that was riding on it. And they were like, nah, I'm just going to call victory here. Like, oh, sucks for him. Right. You know, like people, people always complain about that stuff, but like Arthur Smith really doesn't have any, any room to complain. You've had an abundance of talent and I get it. You transition from, you know, the, the Matt uh, Ryan era and you got Desmond Ritter and all these other quarterbacks, but like, mm-hmm. You were on the quarterback show with Marcus Mariota. You guys clearly didn't get along, and it's like clearly not the player's fault anymore. I, yeah. I don't know. I just, I, I maybe, maybe Art gets a, a second chance as like, uh, as a coordinator somewhere, but like, I think that's an attractive coaching billet. 
right? You, you have talent on the team there. You have a mm-hmm. primo stadium in downtown Atlanta that is gorgeous. And you have a, an owner that wants desperately to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a dream fucking job. You know what I mean? You're not starting over from scratch. You have a ton of talent there. So, like, go get it. And like, Arthur Smith completely squandered away an excellent opportunity. In the NFC South, if he was in the AFC West, you know what I mean? And losing with this kind of record, like, you'd be like, oh, shit. Like, sucks to suck, you know? But, like, he's in a division that went to week 18. And they still had a chance to win. And he couldn't do it. So, I'm just like, guys, come on. Yeah. I, uh, the, the victory thing was kind of, I mean, nobody gets upset when, uh, when players in the opposing team like smash through the line to try and, you know, catch a fumble or something when you're in victory mm-hmm, formation. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's, uh, it's morally disingenuous to, uh, get upset when, you know, the, another team tries to like counteract that. And you're right. It's, it's a contract thing. And, and if somebody's got, a million dollars on the line and all he needs is one touchdown. Yeah, fucking I mean, should they have lined up in the victory formation and ran a trick play out of it? No. Probably <laughs> not. Probably not. Uh but to get upset with the I mean the coach, it's obvious the coach didn't do it. And I and if Winston was out there and he was the one that called it, then you know, I think that's a, a slightly bigger problem because that's literally you know your coach is gonna get rung up for that when that's the case. And if you're feeling really good about yourself because you returned the ball to the one yard line, then fucking line up and run it like you would a normal play give it to the same guy uh yes that one's a little bit but i mean well i think there's a lot of upswing for uh atlanta they've had two winning seasons since 2013 so i don't know if it's as attractive there's definitely more going on there because they've had one two three four coaches true but Outside of Atlanta, the only team the only team that has a coaching vacancy that's more attractive is the Carolina Panthers. Because Brian Tepper will give you a guaranteed contract and fucking fire you eight months into the contract. Because well, you're mean, not winning enough games for him, right? So like, you're gonna get guaranteed money. So like do what do you want? Do you want guaranteed money in your NFL contract? And if you get fired from the owner, like you get fired from the owner, or do you want like absolute uh <laughs> you want absolute talent in the position, you know? Yeah, and I mean it's, I mean I for me I still think New England's probably the most attractive option, depending on how this all shakes out and whether or not Bill moves on, just because they have the money, they have the the history, they have uh, what you would assume is the chemistry that teams want to kind of get in. Although with Bill with Bill moving on, the Patriot way and all that, we don't know what this team is going to look like four years from now. But I don't know. I don't know, and I don't. I I don't even think this is going to be the last of it. I think there are some playoff teams whose coaches, while they're in the playoffs, are still in the hot seat, and they're just letting it ride to see how things. They literally are playing for their lives. True, 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 true. Well, we said uh, we wouldn't do it to you and give you an hour and twenty minutes, and we didn't. We gave you an hour and twenty three minutes. So yeah. we should put a pin in this episode of the Stats No Matter podcast. Uh, postseason NFL, here we come, baby. Um, and you know, it's very fucking cold now in Virginia and wet and rainy and miserable. And it's stout season, hashtag stout season. So, stout season? you can pretty much expect that for every single <laughs> upcoming What's in My Cup segment for me for at least the next month until we get back into the 50s, like where we should. All right, brother. Anybody along the East Coast, take care of yourself. Things are fucking crazy out there, pretty much from Florida up to Maine so 
Be safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.